seems like every local in the valley here has a mountain bike. This sport is really exploding. I break the law. I ride an illegal trip. And it's getting away from the cops, the cars, the concrete. Those Abaka is a Chinese down here. Using snowboarders together on a run, you're looking for trouble. You know, they get on skis and they just think they can overcome the world. The more you around, the more you're going to find out. I like to think that death is out of the question. The life starts at 40 miles an hour. You ride the chairlift for two or three weekends and you have to go like climb hills all week just to be even with God, you know? Welcome to Mind the Track with Palbot and Trail Whisperer, ramblings from the skin track in winter, single track in summer, celebrating the core lords, and fostering the culture of mountain life in the Sierra Nevada and Great Basin. Today is November 1st, 2023, and you're listening to episode number 24. By the way, thanks for listening. Help spread the word and leave Mind the Track a rating and review, and subscribe on Apple and Spotify. Got feedback or a core lord we should chat with? Drop us a line at mindthetrackpodcast at gmail.com, at mindthetrack on Instagram, or just go to our website at mindthetrack.com. I am the Trail Whisperer with a raspy voice today. I think I got allergies or something going on, but uh, we're recording here today in the uh, Total Downer Studios here, the the Powbot family cabin up in Tahoe Donner. Uh, Sitting across the kitchen table for me, of course, is my comrade in crushing it, my partner in pow slashing, and my sidekick in the single track, the extra refreshed and re-energized Powbot, known today as Snoozebot, because... Why? Why? What, what's cracking? What's up, man? What's up, Carney Kurt? <laughs> Carney Kurt. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, snoozebot. Oh my god, I've been sleeping. Yeah. I guess that's what I do when I'm in between seasons, but it's also what I do when I don't have stress hanging over me anymore. Yeah. Why? It's been tell a, us a little bit about that. Why are you? Why life, is Palbot stress life, free? Stress free. Because uh, Nicole and I f- reached a finish line with the restaurant business. We sold our restaurants and finished sort of a commitment to transfer ownership and transfer all of the responsibilities and and everything onto some new people. And it's I feel liberated. Man, congratulations. Th- thank you. I know it's Thanks. been a rough... It's been, I mean, since what has we been, been? It's been rough, but it's it's been hard work is what it's been. Yeah. And, uh, but we were ready for the change. We were, we were looking forward to getting to the finish line and we, we made it and we feel really good about, uh, about where it's at and, uh, who's taken over my position and, and how the restaurants have been left and where they're going. So it's just a, a new chapter. I get to write another chapter in life. I'm, I'm proud of you, man. Nice. I'm so happy for you, dude. I know that you've been working really hard and, and I've, I've seen the kind of the, uh, the crow's feet on your eyes get a little deeper, you know, with the stress levels that you've had to cope with. But uh, I'm glad to hear and that's that. Ch- and that's changed. So I, I think the biggest thing that I recognized right away is after I, I was back in Michigan for a family wedding and I was just sleeping like I've never slept in 10 years Yeah, and dreaming and just getting really rested and not waking up and worried about things <laughs> of what's going to break. So at you, the restaurant. Do you feel like you've gotten better sleep than you've had in a really long time? Yeah, I feel like I've had better sleep for, for than like in, in at least ten years, in just like wow. the last ten days. 
it's been really cool and I feel great. I, I actually haven't had my mind in the track for a while, but I, I feel really good and, and sort of re you know, recentered and yeah, it's, it's been a cool perspective to s turn the page on that chapter in our lives. Yeah. It feels good. Right on, man. Thanks. Good. Killer. Yeah. That's, uh, it's, it's, it's a big change for us. It's, you know, a little scary in that what, you know, we're going to be ha having to do some new, different things and figure figuring out new jobs and new things here in a bit, but I am going to be able to take a deep breath and focus on this podcast Yeah, and focus on having some fun this winter and hopefully chasing some snow when it, when it finally arrives. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all really good and positive. And, uh, we get to sort of reap some, you know, benefits and rewards of 20 years of hard work. Good. Yeah. Good. Thanks. Yeah, man. Right and, on. And, I, and what's up with you? How's married life? Oh, it's been great. Yeah. It, it, you know, so I like to kind of transition the conversation into segue into the, the, the wedding thing. I want to definitely sure. touch on that for a minute. But, you know, today it's November 1st. It, we're going into full-on fall, winter transition right now. You know, like we're, the time change is about to happen. Um, we just had a hunter's moon. Do you know what a hunter's moon is? No. It's the full moon after the harvest moon. Okay. So it... And what does that signify or what does it symbolize? It symbolizes kind of the last opportunity for humans to um, acquire a food source before the winter sets in. So like you, you know, you have your harvest moon and you do your fall harvest of crops. And then the hunter's moon is the last full moon where you could actually probably be out hunting before the dead of winter. So like the animals are still out, they haven't hibernated yet. Right. And the hunter would go out on a hunter's moon and track game in the middle of the night because they could yeah. see really well. Right. So we just had that the other day. And, uh, we're having, yeah, like it's feeling more wintry with every week that, you know, the sun's rising later, it's setting earlier. Um, you know, speaking of sleeping, I'm sleeping in later, right. Cause I'm very <laughs> yeah. sun oriented and I'm like in the summer, I'm up at five in the morning cause the like, dawn breaks around five, you know, yep. but right now I'm sleeping until almost seven sometimes because it's not light until then. Um, and so, you know, our lives, some of us more than others are revolve around the changing seasons, the, you know, like the sun and the moon and, and the planets. And so, uh, you know, in relation to the, the wedding topic, you know, Swan John and I, we've been together almost 10 years and we were both previously married and we, we like to call each other second marriage material because you kind of got to get one out of the way first before you figure out what you want. Right. <laughs> so, we had talked about getting married for a while and I just, I honestly, I just kept trying to put it off. I'm like, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe later, you know, down the road, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And then she was like, Hey, our 10th anniversary is coming up. What do you think? And I was like, actually that's a round number. I can, I can remember that one pretty easily. So yeah, maybe we should, we should do that. And that's coming up in January. But then I found out about this annular eclipse, right? The yeah. solar eclipse, um, it was peaking over Nevada. So the annular eclipse is like the, they call it the ring of fire, where the moon's shadow is just a little bit smaller than the sun. So it makes this perfect ring, right? And it was like optimal over Nevada. So I was like, we should probably do it then. 
And uh, that's what we ended up doing. And you were there. It was an incredible weekend. It was pretty cool, right? It was cool. Yeah, it was an excuse for people. Because I'm not, I mean, I'm not much of a wedding person. Like when someone invites me to their wedding, I'm usually looking for any excuse to not go. I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> Especially de de destination weddings are tough now. Yeah, destination weddings are just like, I don't know. It's just, I feel like, you know, if you have friends who are getting married, it's, you're not going to really talk to them because they're going to be so busy running around. You know, they're like stressing out about this. They got a hundred people showing up. You know, it's just, it's not a very intimate time with your friends. It's, it's a time, you know, it's nice to be there and to see that, but I don't know. For me, like for Swan John and I, we wanted something that was more intimate with just a few friends. You know, I wish we could have had more friends there. I just wanted to keep the logistics really simple you know, so that we didn't have to wrangle too many cats. Everyone was on the same page and on the same wavelength. We met at Harrison Pass in the Southern Ruby Mountains of uh, Nevada, about an hour south of Elko. And everybody was able to make it, make it up the Jeep road. Yeah. And then we had like a little adventurous four wheel, you know, mission to get out to the campsite, which was fun. Your truck actually got off the, had a wheel lift off at one point. Yeah. The RV. <laughs> I was following you up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, th I think if you'd had more people there, some people may may not have been able to make it up there in their in their rental car or super or no. whatever it might have been. No, and if and if, and some who maybe may have would have been, would have been able to make it to the campsite might not have been able to make the hike up to the top of the rock. Yeah, and uh, now that you you got an amazing drone. I'm so glad you put the drone up in the air during the eclipse there where we were because the 360 degree view panorama of that rock was really It's neat. an epic spot. You yeah. picked a perfect spot for it. Yeah. And I really liked that eclipse because the, the sun was lower in the sky for the viewing. Right. So the other eclipse that I experienced was in Mexico way back in high school. I was down there doing a live in with a family, learn Spanish thing and run around Mexico and it just so happened that there was a full solar eclipse while I was down there, but it was later, it wasn't in the middle of the day. Yeah. So you, everyone was like standing there with their neck cr cranked backwards, trying to look at right, it. Right, look straight up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, looking yeah. straight up yeah. and it was super uncomfortable, but our viewing was just epic. Like it was right in this spot in the sky where we just looked over that valley to the west of the rubies and the sun was right in the perfect sort of spot in the horizon and then the, some light clouds kind of came through to where we could even just put our sunglasses on and then watch it with n the naked eye and that was cool that was pretty that was it, pretty wild it was pretty spectacular yeah we didn't even need a solar filter on a camera you could take ryan solemn took a picture of the uh the eclipse i don't yeah, think he was those, using a solar filter yeah, and it I was came out a, insane yeah just because of those couple clouds made it so that you could just look look right into it yeah we yeah, looked it was out. epic yeah we lucked out with the weather and everything um so i i guess you know and we got a ride in that yeah was we, a, that's you, right yeah you, we did we got some cool hikes in we we after the wedding we sort of left there and drove around into the lamoille canyon yep and went for a cool hike in lamoille yep and then camped that night and then <clears> camped, <throat> camped for night. camped for a night and then uh got a ride in at the mouth of the canyon there on some trail that yeah, the Lamoille Talbot Trail. Uh, yeah, what's what's what was the story with that? I I didn't even know that thing was there. Yeah, you know, I think so. <clears throat> the Lamoille Canyon is it's spectacular, unbelievable. It's, it's world class. It's on the same level as 
you know, like almost, it's like a miniature Glacier National Park. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's a glacially carved canyon with giant cliffs and stuff, right? Um, but this trail, I think it was purpose-built for mountain bike. I think Imba may have constructed it a handful of years ago. And the problem with the rubies is there's so much wilderness that you can't really legally ride a bike anywhere up there. So this one Lamoille Talbot trail is one of the few trails in the rubies that is like a mountain bike legal trail. It sort of skirts the edge of the wilderness. Yeah. And the views are incredible. You're kind of up on the front range of the mountain. So you're looking out over that entire valley where Spring Creek is and and Elko and you're looking north towards uh, the East Humboldt range. Um, it's, and it's a fun trail, you know, yeah, it's, had, it's definitely worth stopping and riding. Yeah. I thought so too. Yeah. So it was, it was just a fun weekend because there was no real plan. Like we had a general idea of what we wanted to do. We had no reservations anywhere. We just kind of floated, you know, like <clears throat> we went to Harrison Pass hoping we were going, we weren't going to like, we had an idea of where we were going to camp, but we didn't know exactly, but we ended up finding this awesome spot. And then the next day we went, we went to Lamoille Canyon we didn't have any reservations. We were hoping that nobody was at the campgrounds. and Yeah, it seemed a bunch of people had left that campground at Thomas Creek. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I, they were there for I, the eclipse and then left. And then, and then bailed. Yeah. Yeah, and that's an epic. Thomas Creek's a really, really pretty campground up in there, and there's great skiing up in there in the winter. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, I, you know, you know, to sum this whole thing up, my my advice to people is if you want to do... I'm a non-traditionalist and I had, I had the traditional wedding in, a, in, a, in my previous life and it was fine. It was not what I would have chosen myself, but you know, I did it and it was fine. And same thing with Swan John. She had her like traditional wedding when she was younger and, but we did it our way this time around. It was very unconventional and it was very untraditional. And, um, you know, having you as the officiant was amazing because like just a good friend who nice. I feel like I've known, I've only really known you well for about a year. Yeah. We've I feel only like known I've known each other like my whole life. A year and a half. Yeah. That's the, that's, I think the, the test of a good friend, right? Like you can, you meet them and you feel like you've known them forever. Um, so it was just, it was a really cool unconventional way to celebrate our love for each other and our relationship and our friends. And I recommend anybody out there, don't spend a bunch of money. Don't overdo it. Keep it super simple. Um, make it fun. It's supposed to be fun, right? Like a lot of these weddings, man, they don't look that fun because there's so much planning and stress and and like family stuff and money spent. And like, I don't know. It's not for me anyway. I think the way that we did it was fun. It was awesome. And I recommend anybody out there, if they're, if you're feeling the stress family pressure or whatever of tradition, just stick to your guns and do what you want to do. And and you'll be a lot happier, I think. And make it memorable. And make Which it memorable. Yours, yeah, yours is memorable. Yeah, we had, it was an eclipse, wedding. right? It was like, nobody was really going to go out to the middle of nowhere in Nevada for us to get married. But I was like, but if there's an eclipse, it, there's an excuse for people to come. It's like, even if the wedding sucks, you're going to see a cool eclipse. <laughs> so that was the point of it. It was a good one. Anyway, yeah, that was it. Was a good weekend, and then I had a I had a wedding. Then I was back to back weddings. Oh man, I've been on the wedding train. You didn't officiate the second one, did I you? I did not. I was one of uh, 
268 people. Oh, so it was like the complete opposite it, it of the, what our it wedding was. It was the complete opposite. Yeah. But it was their, unlike you, it was their first wedding, and it was my niece Marley oh, cool. and Dugan, and they awesome. threw an incredible wedding back in Grand Rapids. Awesome. In Michigan, where, where I'm from. And uh, that was, yeah, it was kind of the the, the op- exact opposite of your wedding, but it was great. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they had a great wedding. Cool. It was, it was a good time. Nice, uh, man. It was, it was good to be home and see family as well. Yeah. And get back to Michigan. I felt out of place, though. Why? What's what, what, like, I started feeling out of place when we, we connected through Houston. Okay. And, and had to fly through there. And when I landed there, we had to take that little like train between terminal things. And oh, like, yeah. I just like t- took in the landscape and I felt like I was just a fish out of water, like just flat Texas made me feel like I like made me feel like there was no gravity or something. I was just like, Oh my God, like without a, a change in train and landscape, like I just feel out of place. All the streets are like North, South, East, West. There's no curves. Cause there's no Hills. Yeah, and there's, there's no, no terrain. Hills. Yeah. Yeah. How does that make, do you have that same feeling when you, I guess I just haven't been off the Hill for, you know, all the Tahoe folks say, Oh, I've been off the Hill for a while, but I hadn't been off the Hill for a while. Yeah. I, you know, I grew up on the East coast and went to school in the Midwest. Um, I went to school in Indiana, in Bloomington, Indiana, which has Hills, but Northern Indiana, like North of Indianapolis, it's flatter than flat and everything is gridded, right? All the roads are gridded. Um, and yeah, in Michigan, like my you know family grew up in Michigan too. So it's pretty flat in Southern Michigan. Um, and it's weird. I, yeah, I, I feel totally out of place there. Um, not having terrain altitude, you know, just flat expanse for as far as the eye can see is it's foreign to me for sure. And for me, I think now that like just the mountains, they just embody so much of my memories Yeah, and, and sort of who I am. Like even just sitting here right now with you, I'm looking out over, uh, over this, the hill here in the back. And I have memories of riding my mountain bike on that mountain. Yeah. And, uh, and that it's just, I don't know, like a flat landscape is just, it's a little unsewed or sort of defining. Totally. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I feel, I just feel out of place when I go back East. I know I do too. And I, and I, so, uh, on Saturday, Swan John and I are flying to Florida uh-huh. and, uh, Florida, man, <laughs> I'm going to be Florida, man. <laughs> <laughs> have you done the, have you done your Florida man challenge? I ha- no, I haven't actually. Let's, let's do it. So we, we should probably do that real quick. All right. So tell us what the Florida man challenge is yeah, for know. those that aren't familiar. <laughs> I asked you about this the other day and you, I didn't know you were like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, come on, man, you don't know about the Florida man challenge. So the Florida man challenge is, I think that they've changed a little bit, but it was a, it was just a funny internet meme where you just, you put in the words into Google a good old Google, you put in the words Florida man and your then your birth date. And okay. you don't have to put the year in. You just do Florida man and then whatever your what's your birth date? May twenty ninth. You're to May twenty ninth. So you do Florida man, May twenty ninth. Okay. Just the, so. And then the first or second or third thing that pops up is your Florida man challenge. Okay, so here, the first one that pops up on Fox News. Florida man arrested for allegedly throwing corn cob at mom's head. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, there you go. Okay, and the guy, he... The mugshots are always really good. He actually looks like a kind of a dweeby trail runner guy. 
with big ears. He doesn't look like a you know a toothless uh, backwoods redneck that I like I would expect from Florida man. But then He's, here's another one from twi- from Twitter or X formerly known as Twitter. Florida man arrested after allegedly pouring gas on another man and lighting him on fire. <laughs> That's actually pretty tame. Really? Okay. Do, do mine. Your, okay. All right. So Florida I'm man. May 21st. A week before the corn cop incident. <laughs> Florida man. I think there's one. Florida more. man climbs a top playground equipment at Clearwater Park, tells kids oh, where babies one. come from. <laughs> yeah, look at his look at his mugshot. Oh god. <laughs> He's like full on Maori tattoo face with like really bad teeth. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's a good that's a good party meme. Yeah, anyway, I'm going to do it. So I'm going to do that with my family when I go. So my parents bought a place in uh, Naples like a year ago to, and I haven't been there yet. I've been honestly been just trying to delay, delay as long as possible. Putting it off like your wedding. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But I cannot, I can delay no longer. So, and I'm sure it's nice. Like, I'm sure it's super nice. Here, Naples is like, one of the nicest places in Florida and it's like tropical and everything. But you know, I want surf, man. Like if I'm going to the East coast or to the ocean, I, I want to be on the Atlantic side. I don't want to be on the Gulf side. Dude, like, there could be surf though. There, I mean, there, there's hurricane. It's hurricane galore right now. It is. Yeah. You know, it's funny, man. Last you could year, get surf. um, hurricane, was it Ian? The one that hit, uh, Southern, Fort Myers, you know, destroyed Fort Myers completely. Um, you know, Fort Myers is right next to Naples and my parents' place, I guess, is a mile inland. They're behind the mangrove. So the mangrove acts as like a, a little bit a of buffer. a buffer. Yeah. So they were okay, but dude, they said it was just complete destruction, like total destruction. Um, but yeah, I mean, in Florida, like global weirding, you could, it could be a six foot surfing bar- in the Gulf. It could be six foot and barreling when you show up 95 degree water. I'll be like sweating and like, it's like going into a hot, hot spring. Um, but what anyway, about this last yeah. hurricane that just happened, the one that just hit Acapulco. Yes. Holy. I was actually, gonna, I was actually going to mention that. So, you know, what's interesting about that hurricane, um, right was the rapid intensification of it that's a that's a word now that they're it using is. yeah but here's the th- but here's the thing you know what i attribute it to say it honga tonga say it. honga tonga because there's never been a rapid intensification of a hurricane to that extent ever it went from barely a category one hurricane to the most powerful hurricane to ever make landfall on the wet on the on mexico's western coast in recorded history in under 24 hours so in under 24 hours this storm went from like 70 mile an hour sustained winds to 160 mile an hour sustained winds yeah that was in 24 hours the fastest built hurricane ever but they're saying it was because of water temps well that's but that's Honga Tonga has created this situation. So the, right, the eruption, I mean, this is all, conge- we, this we, is all theory. We, I'm, I'm not, no expert. I'm but. not, but I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. I'm no expert, but it, I mean, I don't, just look at, look at 
trends. Look at what, what the weather has been doing this year, right? Like they're talking about how this is like historic and it's like, it's proof beyond a reasonable doubt that climate change, human induced climate change is creating these things. It's like, we didn't, we did not have water temps like this last year, the year before, the year before that year. But these water temps are created from a phenomenon that occurred in the last year or two, because there's no way out of nowhere, the ocean is, you know, that much warmer than it normally is. Um, we're having all these unprecedented events in a very short span of time following the biggest eruption um, in recorded history, right? That was under underwater. It was an underwater eruption that changed global weather patterns around the world, but nobody's talking about it still because I don't know. It just, I guess we are, well, we're talking about it, but who the hell are we? Nobody think no, a, nobody knows who we are and B we're couple of crackpots, you know, up in total down or recording on some $400 podcast recording equipment. Which we should, let's get a real weather person on the show. We're working on Maybe next week. Yeah. So on the week after I get back from Florida, assuming I don't get, you know, taken out by a hurricane, uh, Brian Allegretto from open snow, we're going to have on the show and we're going to, we're gonna weather nerd out. We're if you gonna guys, weather if, nerd out. If our, any of our listeners are big time weather nerds, oh dude, we're gonna nerd out with Brian. It's gonna be awesome. And I'm I'll, looking, I'll, looking forward to that one. I'd be interested to hear his opinion about. Hung, yeah, I, I can't wait. To I wonder ask if he even knows about it. Know. Anyway, yeah, it's been uh, kind of a crazy few weeks of weather. It's been a crazy year of weather. It's really kind of nice here right now. It's beautiful. You know right what? Now? It's yeah. a really nice time for in Tahoe. What kayaking on the lake? Ooh, that's my. Have you been doing that? No, but (laughs) (laughs) but I heard from a friend. But I'm gonna try to go in the next (laughs) couple days, or even after this little bit of weather that comes through, because I think that we're gonna have another break again. I've been busy cutting down my garden, and I've been kind of scrambling to get winterized at the house. I'm that guy that likes to have everything finally ready for when winter truly comes. Like I don't have my hoses all getting buried and things frozen and. So I, because I had a wedding marathon, I'm, I'm a little bit behind on getting the house winterized. So that's kind of been my program. But if I could, I would have gone out on the lake the last couple of days because it's just been sheet glass. It's been beautiful fall weather. Yeah. There's no boats on the lake because all everyone's removed their motorboats. Right. So you can have a non-motorized experience on the lake right now, which is pretty cool to do. So I, I might actually go tomorrow morning. Uh, and if not tomorrow, I'll be going after the weekend again. I'll take advantage of it because I love this time of year going to the lake on a kayak because yeah. you can have it to yourself, which is yeah. kind of a unique experience. Yeah. And the trails are quiet. Yeah. And the trail, I'll bet you the trails are quiet too. Drive, drive by, you know, the, the Yogi Jackass parking lot in 89 and there's maybe like three cars there versus like 300. So it's <laughs> like, yeah, it's kind of, things have mellowed out and, uh, local, local summer. Yeah, it's local summer and it, the weather's been great. Like we got a little bit of snow. It's been really cold, but um, you know, by midday it warms up nicely and it's been pretty sweet the past it's been few pretty weeks. Nice. We had a great Halloween. Yeah, we, Halloween so was fun. Last night was Halloween and uh we went over to Europe you're in you and Nicole's house and uh man, that was pretty interesting. I did not know the to the extent with which Incline Village celebrates Halloween. It's just really our neighborhood. Crazy. It's, it's a, like everybody descends on our little neighborhood and there's, we get like a thousand trick or treaters. So it's, it's so much work that we kind of have, have to take turns and 
yeah. manage the candy pass out. Yeah. But it's always a good time. Yeah. It's wild how Halloween has got. Why is Halloween like the most popular holiday now? Because people can dress up and be someone else. It's kind of like why Burning Man's so popular. Because people can escape reality. Yeah, I was thinking about that today. <laughs> well, you know, I was thinking about it. I was like, people get to, yeah, they get to be their alter ego. Right. But it's only on one day of the year. Right. But like you yeah. get to be Trail Whisperer. Every day. How many days of the year are you actually Trail Whisperer? Like, every day? Like almost every day. Almost every day. And I get to be Powbot a lot. You are Powbot a lot. <laughs> So you are. So I, I kind of like I, I, I like to celebrate Halloween almost then every almost every, every day every day. It's like it's fun to yeah. be your alter ego. Swan John and I dressed up. Uh, we went to a Halloween party on Saturday. It was really cool. We dressed up as his and hers Magnum PI, Tom Selleck from the classic '80s uh, comedy drama so Magnum you were, PI. You were double Tom. We were t- double Tom. Yeah, she was. Swan John was better because you know like a woman dressing up as tom Selleck is pretty awesome <laughs> her mustache was epic it was like you know one of those glue on mustaches way better than mine um you're still you're you're still rocking it i'm right still now. rocking yeah i had to shave my beard for the first time in a couple of years to be tom Selleck. um so that was it's fun a, it's a worthy cause it's fun to be tom Selleck for a night you know wear short shorts and a hawaiian shirt and a tiger's hat and dance around um yeah what else have you been up to? You were sailing last. Were you sailing last weekend? Yes. Yeah, so that, tell us a little bit was, about that. That's kind of why I'm behind on winterizing the house. But yeah, I got an invite from John Morrison to go crew on Fired Up, his Santa Cruz Express, 27 foot racing sailboat. Uh, he invited me down to go sail on the bay for the Pumpkin Classic, which is put on the by Great Pumpkin. The Great Classic? Pumpkin Classic. Yeah, they, it's the Richmond Yacht Club has a two day event in the Bay just before Halloween, and uh, it is uh, a big, big deal sailboat race. Yeah, like back in the day, I guess they used to get three, four hundred boats, and now they are down to about one hundred and fifty boats. Why and is I that? Think, because sailing's way more expensive than it used to be, or what? I don't. Th- I just think that it's kind of not as cool as it used to be. There's there's not as many young people doing it. Why? Because there's like jet skis and wave runners. Uh, I, I don't know. I was I was asking ski boats. I was and trying to trying to fish on that one a little bit on why not as many people have have gotten into. There's still young people in it, you know. But uh, yeah. So anyway, we went down there and, and sailed. We had a really good day on Saturday. Race there was they had three races, three buoy races uh, on Saturday, and we did progressively better in each race, which was cool. It's How long good. does the race last? Uh, about 50 minutes. Okay. And are you uh, running around the deck like a crazy person pulling ropes and yeah, moving exactly. things and not trying yep. to get knocked into the water? Yeah. Do you wear a life vest? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. 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 That's exactly what's happening. So Do you get seasick? I don't. Does anybody on the boat or no. has anybody on the boat? No. You're just so probably focused on like yeah, racing. You're not trying. even thinking well, about John's an intense person. So like, yeah, he's great to sort of learn from because yeah you can't if you're not doing it right he'll tell you (laughs) (laughs) and not invite you back (laughs) yeah uh but yeah so we've re-raced the three three races on saturday then on sunday they have a a a distance race where they you leave the richmond yacht club and there's a start line and then you know the different classes of the different size or types of boats leave at different times yeah but then it is a distance race where you have to sail around 
uh, Angel Island and also Alcatraz and then come back. And then it's a little bit of a, of a, you know, strategy game on which way you go because you can go either clockwise or counterclockwise mm-hmm. and try to read the wind, you know, how the wind is going to go. And how, and then the crazy thing is the current because the bay just has these. So do you have to wide, read the tides too? Oh yeah. Yeah. So tides, tide and current have a huge play. Right. And that's actually what happened to us on Sunday is that we went clockwise and went around Alcatraz first and then came around that side. And we were in the lead of all the boats that went in that direction and so we weren't quite ready to throw in the towel just yet because we were in the lead. But the wind died. It was just like this beautiful. It would have been a great day to be at Ocean Beach surfing. Like Ocean Beach was just really? like, oh, yeah. Ocean Beach was like five foot and classy oh, all, wow. all day. But it the just, hell were you doing in a sailboat? I, well, because it was the race, <laughs> man. We were, we, were giving it a, we were giving it our best college try. But it was, what was wild is that we, we got around Alcatraz and then we were coming or trying to get around Angel Island and go into what's called the Raccoon Strait. Yeah. And uh the the current was just so intense that we were we were going backwards. And so all of the boats had to then uh you know call in and quote retire because we had to put our engine on the back of the boat mm-hmm. so that we didn't get sucked out the bay. Because we we were getting in the process we were in the process. Is there any is there is there any recovery from that? Like once you start to get sucked out, can you recover from that? The only way you can recover from that is by, by powering up. But are those motors that you, is it, how big of a motor is it on those boats? <laughs> not, not like a fishing, like a trolling motor. Kind, kind of <laughs> like a yeah. lawnmower motor. It was, it, the current was, <clears throat> the current was strong enough that we then had to like look at where the, where the current was not quite as strong right. and then go in those areas. So you could actually move forward. So that forward. we could actually move forward. Yeah. Yeah. We limped, we limped back to the, wow. to the Harbor that afternoon with their tail between our legs, but it was a great day and it was a learning experience. And what's the strategy of going clockwise or counterclockwise? This, I think John's strategy on that day was that there was better wind going the way it, initially the wind, okay. there was a better wind line, and okay. then, but going the other direction, I think the current was in their favor. Mm-hmm. Uh, What's better, the, more wind or more current? Uh, I think that the lesson learned there was that you sail for current. When, yeah, you sail for current when there's light wind. Right. If there's heavier wind, then you can sail for wind. Sail for wind. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. When there's heavier wind. You can wind as you that you you take that more into factor. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was a great weekend down there, and it's I love the hang too. It's like the best car camp hang ever. Where is that? Right there, right at the yacht club. It's like the best way oh, to experience. Oh, you were yacht clubbing it? Yeah. So you just, did you have like like uh, dock cider shoes and did you have your yacht rock shirt on? And no, I had my Skeletor suit on because there was a <laughs> it was Halloween. The, yeah, there was there's they a have, party. There's a party. Yeah, they have, they have like the same <laughs> cheesy band that's been playing there for twenty years. And they, Richmond Yacht Club. They played for they played three sets too. I pretty much was in bed by the third set, but uh, yeah, it's just they have a big old you know, big old buffet and oh, wow. there's a band and, and dancing and good times. Yeah. And it's, it's just a cool way to experience the Bay. That's pretty neat. Yeah. It was a good weekend. I saw John the weekend before that. Yeah. You got to do for the Fred ride. I did the, yeah, t- I did the Fred us, ride. Tell us a little bit about the Fred ride. Fred as I hell. Was, I was in, I, that was on the wedding weekend for me with my niece, but yeah. What, what happened? Yeah. So our friend, Fred, Stam, who we're going to have him on the show. Um, actually, he's going to Oaxaca 
Mexico to ride mountain bikes. Oh, cool. So we're going to have him on after he gets back so we cool. can talk to him about his trip down there. But Fred, uh, if you live in Truckee or Tahoe, you probably know Fred. Fred has a posse, as they like to say. Um, he's kind of the unofficial bike mayor of Truckee. He started Truckee Bike Night, and it's just an amazing, awesome, fun person, man. I just love going on Fred Ventures. He's like him. me. He makes stickers. Yeah, he, someone he, yeah. needs to make a sticker that says like Fred has a like. Remember the Andre the Giant? No, they Andre do. Andre the Giant does. has a posse. Does Fred make a sticker he, that says he has that Fred? Sticker. Fred. <laughs> Dude, it's a it's a sticker of Fred with a giant joint in his mouth with like a puff of smoke and it says Fred has a posse. <laughs> <laughs> and I saw it. On, oh, that's classic. It, and my so my buddy Chad, who lives out in Kingston, Nevada, you know, out in central Nevada, yep. there was a stop sign off like Highway 722, like out in the middle of nowhere, Nevada. And our friend who works for NDOT was out there and like they were replacing old signs and he got one of the stop signs and on the stop sign, there was a Fred has a posse. And my buddy Chad was like, I know that guy. <laughs> So anyway, Fred's all over the place. He's made it out to central Nevada, but so how big was the posse for the, uh, for the, for the ride? It's pretty good. So we, it was, you know, the annual, uh, Giro de Stamina. Um, you know, Fred's last name is Stam. So it was a play on his last name. Um, and every year he pulls between 25 and 80 people each year, depending on where it is. And this year it was down in Pinecrest off highway 108, um, on the kind of Pinecrest Lake, Strawberry area. Got like 25 people, I'd say, uh, which is a pretty good turnout. I mean, it's like a three-plus-hour drive from Tahoe. It's almost as far as driving to the Toyabe. Um, but, yeah, we... we uh, is that before or <clears throat> after Sly Park? It's south. It's south of there. It's south. Yeah, you take 395 south, like past Topaz Lake, and, you know, you're going towards, like, Bridgeport. Before you get to Bridgeport, there's Sonora Pass, turn off Highway 108. Oh. You go past the Marine Corps Survival Training yeah. Depot there, and that pass is not, dude. So you went up and over I dro- I drove Sonora Pass in my in the Sun Raider. Um, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> I mean, you, you, putzed, I was you, putzed, gripped, you putzed it? I, well, it's just the grade going down, like westbound. Like if you're going over the pass east to west towards Pinecrest, that there's a pitch on that road that is got to be close to 30% grade for a couple miles. And you cannot like engine brake because you just, I'm in second gear and I'm just like pinned and I'm still going too fast. And so you have to use your brakes. And I got to this point where like I pulled over because I was smelling my own brakes melting down. I'm like, I'm going to lose my brakes and fucking die. So I pulled over and just took a 10 minute breather and just let, you know, the smoke, it was this, it was a horror that burnt that asbestos burning brake smell. I mean, it was terrible. And finally I cool off a little bit, you know, get down to the bottom, drive out there, cool off, have a beer, relax. And, uh, and then Fred's, you know, Kel- Fred and Kelsey still haven't showed up and all, you know, most people are there and it's like nine o'clock and I'm like, I bet you anything, Fred is driving over Sonora Pass with a trailer in tow and he's probably driving like an suv not like a big truck but like you know like a a, nissan forerunner well he shows up he and kelsey show up with a forerunner and a single axle trailer and i go did you drive over sonora pass he's like yeah and i go did you crap your pants he goes we lost our brakes (laughs) it's like i had to put it in four low and go like 10 miles an hour so anyway that was kind of the uh the the introduction right and i've i've ridden pinecrest once before 
And Pinecrest is, it's kind of like, you know, our previous episode, we've talked about trails that you don't talk about, kind of like Fight Club, you know, there's a lot of trails in Pinecrest you don't talk about a lot. And um, they're gnarly, like the most technical riding anywhere in the Sierra Nevada, um, possibly on the West Coast, like very, very technical, lots of slab riding, granite slabs, um, super steep big, big chunky rocks and like places where you can catch your wheel. There's a hundred different ways to hurt yourself and break your bike. Um, it's in your face. Sounds like you want to be padded up. <laughs> you do. I actually wore, I'd never wear knee pads. I wore knee pads on that day. Cause I'm like, yeah, I knew what we were stepping into and it's fun, but it's full on. Like you have to be, there's no mind wandering, you know, there's no flow. You know, we talk about flow state, you know, where you're in flow and you're just like in the zone and you're flowing. There's no flow. You're just gripped trying to not catch a wheel in something. And like, it's very um, physical. It's super physical riding. And we rode Saturday was, you know, we shuttled up the first climb and then we climbed the second climb, which was like a good solid 3000 vert. Um, It was a long climb. And then we dropped the only like on the map legal trail there is Pinecrest Peak Trail, which is a really cool trail. It's probably one of the better trails like of all the trails because it has flow. It's fast, but it's also technical. It's kind of Downeyville-ish, but lots of slab riding also. So it's got a good mix. Um, And then, yeah, we got to the bottom of that. And then the guys wanted to do another lap. And I was like, no, I'm good. I'm going to pedal on home and then made a wrong turn. And ended up like climbing, bonus climbing. You know, like by the time I got back to the RV, man, I was smoked. I was so tired, and it was smoky. Like there had been a, a wildfire um, that they got under control, and then they just turned it into like a prescribed burn. So that it was a pretty smoky day, and my lungs for sure felt it. Um, so then the next morning, woke up, and and John and Jess and a few other people showed up to do the the hard eduro, the stamina Fred's uh, e bike ride you know they they do basically an e-version yeah like a hard enduro but on e-bikes we did that last year it was super fun but i don't know i woke up in the morning man it was still really smoky and i was exhausted and i was like yeah i'm good i need to get home anyway so i ended up bailing early i didn't ride with them but they ended up having a really awesome ride but cool fred's rides are always fun dude because fred's all about just yeah i was bummed i missed that weekend yeah Tell Rick with Trash and Treasure on WMTT Hot Country 103. Give us a call. Tell us what you got for sale today. Hey, you're on the air. Yeah, there's uh, Enos Mahonky over there in Booger Hole. I got a Larry Fisher Mountain pushback for sale. Only been crashed into a tree once, so uh, pretty much brand new otherwise. Got a nice jail seat on it. Some uh, off-road tires and that. And uh, it's got them suspensions. Asking tree fitty, firm, service calls only, no scammers. Don't waste my time. Don't steal my stuff. 522-0258. All right. Mahaki over in Booger Hole got a Larry Fisher mountain bike for sale. Tree fitty. Don't waste his time. 
Don't steal his stuff. Give him a call at 522-02. There's a better way to buy, sell, and rent used outdoor gear. Sendy, a new peer-to-peer online marketplace backed by Cam Zink and Travis Rice. Built by athletes for athletes, Sendy is committed to providing the outdoor community with a high-quality hub for high-quality gear. Sendy provides a safe platform for buying, selling, and renting, making sketchy meetups with shady characters and seedy parking lots a thing of the past. Sendy uses integrated and discounted UPS rates, QR codes, and print-ready labels, shipping anywhere in the U.S., with Canada coming soon. Download the app today for free at the Apple Store, Google Play, or visit sendy.io. Buy it, sell it, rent it, and send it with Sendy, charter partner of Mind the Track. Now, back to the show. Yeah. So you you got lost though. You you, you didn't take a left at that last Karen. Yeah. So the Karens. <laughs> I I. <laughs> no, we were beyond. Let's we were actually see. below the Karens, but there are. Riding in Pinecrest is follow the Karens. The Karens are your guide. It's kind of like the path. Do not deviate from the path, or you will go off a twenty foot cliff. Right. Like fall the rock and so the karens kind of indicate the way and um it's one of those you know uh few examples where karens are actually important they're like crucial because otherwise you lose the trail and you don't know where the hell you are you're just in a sea of granite um so yeah there's karens everywhere um there's a big movement to not have those things now right what's what's up with that so you know it's a good question man like i (laughs) So Adventure Journal, I'm a subscriber to Adventure Journal, being a writer myself. You know, I like to support good publications. And Adventure Journal is awesome. I love it. Um, highly recommend people subscribe if you like good good writing and beautiful photographs and adventure and all kinds of different cool topics, like kind of like what we talk about, random stuff, you know. Um, and they just started a podcast. Um, and I was listening to one of the episodes and they were talking, Steve Casimiro and Justin Hausman were talking about Cairns and do you kick them or do you leave them? And they talked for 50 minutes about Cairns and whether or not you kick them. And they, they went way down the rabbit hole with Cairns and, you know, got to thinking, I had some thoughts about it, but, but before I share my thoughts, what are your thoughts on Cairns? I, I mean, for biking, they sort of show you the way. Yeah. Like I remember Riding well, in, with, definitely in Pinecrest. Like Pinecrest, and for little, sure. I remember riding at Little Creek Mesa out by Gooseberry. Oh yeah, and even Gooseberry right. initially before that place got marked and signed. That without you know without them, you don't really know where you are, and and then you would just get lost. So I think in the, in that sense they work, uh, but I know that there's a movement now to not have them in, in areas that where people want to go have, and exp- have a wilderness experience and then not have like any influence of man. So they see those Karens and they say, Oh, that means it, it, it's, it's a human impact. And I think that, I think that it, obviously in areas where there, are, if it's wilderness, you shouldn't have them. There shouldn't be any signs of humans, but if it's not, if it's a place where there's a ton of activity and people around, why not? Well, what if, what if you go into a wilderness area and you come across an old mine site and there's a cairn there, then what do you do? Because there's, that's yeah, there's an evidence of human all well, over they... the place. <laughs> there's, dude, there's some wilderness areas with mines and I'm like, really? Yeah, yeah, Untraveled yeah. So, I mean, man, come on, my man, my ass, come on. Uh, I don't know. You don't need it. If it's, if it's a beautiful meadow, just let the meadow be. 
just like respect the wilderness. Yeah. Let let it let it be. It's be what it is. I don't know, but if if it's if, if it's an area where a lot of people frequent, then and it's showing and showing the path of of yeah where you need to be going, then I'm okay with it. Well, I think we should clarify here. So you know, there are trail cairns, which uh, you know are stacks of rocks, and then there are trail cairns that you know I, I would sometimes love to kick, but that would be considered assault, so you can't really do that. But but trail cairns, you know, they're basically just rock stacks, right? Um, well, I think that people have more of an issue of like the rock art where people are making the little balancey rock. Things. Those are cool. I would not kick one of those over. Like if, if somebody took an oblong rock and somehow made it balance like an egg, you know, vertically, I'm not kicking that over. That's cool. Why would I want to kick that over? That's art in my opinion. But somebody might think that's an affront to the wilderness. And it's like, well, whatever, dude, it's. It's defying gravity. I, I, I think, think it's kind of cool. I think it, the, the, the distinction is if it's wilderness, then let wilderness be wilderness. But if it's not wilderness... So no Karens in wilderness? Is that what you're saying? Is that your stance? <laughs> yeah. That's my stance. Um, I just what read if a, there's I, a trail, though, that's like on a granite slab, like in Pinecrest, that's in wilderness. No Karens? How would you know where to go? Figure it out. Use a map. Hmm. Use a map. Okay. I just read a really good book on my trip to Michigan that was all about uh, a, a ranger, Randy, ranger, Randy, Ra the ranger? Randy the Ranger. Randy Morganson was a ranger for Kings Canyon and Sequoia National Parks. Oh, what's the name of this book? It's called The Last Season. Okay. And uh, it's all about R Ranger Randy and his time in the High Sierra. And the book touched me. It's a really inspiring book about his all his time in the Sierra. It, it, it tragic. It's I won't say too much, but it, it you know sort of ends tragically. But uh, he was a absolute advocate for wilderness and all of his time that he spent in the High Sierra. And and it sort of rejuvenated my appreciation and respect for the the places that we have preserved and try to keep wild. It's they're they're important. So yeah, keep keep the Karens out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, don't, I, I don't want any Karens. I don't want Karens hitting me with their trekking poles, or I don't want to be seeing them <laughs> in the wilderness. You know what? I can see why Karens in the desert Southwest would be an issue because there's nothing, there's no natural phenomenon that could displace a pile of rocks from being piled up other, other than someone kicking them over. Because wind, unless the wind is really extreme, they're probably not going to get knocked over. But in, in the Sierra, snow knocks them over every year. Like a, a big enough winter, that's like one of the trail builders up in Pinecrest, they talk about they have to go back out on the trail like every spring and like restack the rocks because they get knocked over in the wintertime. So, you know, it depends yeah, on where I mean, you are. That, I guess in that situation in Pinecrest, I'm all, I, yeah, I'm all right with it. And is, it, is that better than doing a little spray painted dot? I, yeah, so that's it. They, so... Those guys on the Adventure Journal, they had mentioned it's geological graffiti, right? I'm like, dude, graffiti is per semi-permanent. Graffiti is spray paint. Like, you have to use chemicals to get that off. A rock pile is, you kick it, and it goes away. It's not really graffiti. Um, but... What was your question? I lost it. Like the, the, like the other option. The other option is to like, if, like you oh, to spray to, paint, right? To have like little the little dots which they have now. Well, Goose, so they have Goose that Moab, and they blue have dot it, they trail. Have the, they have they have it in Moab. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, that's fine, I guess. I mean, that's one way to mark the trail. Personally, I'd rather have rock stacks. But... I'd rather have someone show me the way. Yeah, but that's I mean, sometimes not practical, right? I mean, like sometimes yeah. you need to be able to... If you're in a sea of rock with no places to put signage, like you can't drill a hole in the ground and put a 4 by 4 post in and put a sign there. You can't put a sign on a tree because there are no trees you got to have a way of marking a trail. And one of the ways, the least intrusive, in my opinion, is a rock stack, right? It's just a stack of rocks, the big deal. Like, who cares? So I, I don't know why people get so... I guess I can understand why someone would get so up in arms about rock stacks, like, on the beach that aren't cool, like, bouncy rocks, right? Just, like, your random stack of junky rocks. Or, like, a million cairns on a trail that is very well established. You don't need rock stacks on this trail. You know where the trail is. It's show, it's very followable, right? I can understand that. But here we are going down this freaking rabbit hole or trail cairns. Um, but I did want to mention um, your book. Oh, I have a book recommendation too that's related to, loosely related to what you had mentioned. Um, the book is called Nature Noir. And I can't remember the, the author's name, but it's a fascinating book. The author is the, the character. He was a California State Parks ranger in the American River Canyon, the confluence area near Auburn. Mm -hmm. Oh, dude, what a story that guy had. So you can imagine the dregs of society and the characters that wind up in that canyon. Yeah, yeah. Like that's meth addicts, drug dealers, like homeless people. People starting fire bugs, like starting wildfires. And this guy was a badge gun carrying ranger in that canyon for like 25 years. It's a really good read. Yeah, I don't like parking down there anymore. No, it's, it's sketchy, man. It's super sketch. I usually park above and ride Manzanita Trail down. I shouldn't say it's sketchy. It's just I'm not paying $10 to park next to the river. Right. Yeah, it's like yeah. you can, you know, like at the confluence, With there's a bunch of glass everywhere. Yeah. The confluence is like, if you go straight, it's California state parks and they charge 10 bucks just to parallel park on the side of the highway. But if you go over the bridge and there's that like parking area on the other side of the river, that's all free. So oh. everyone fills that up first. Right. And then, and it causes like, it's, that's, that's a dangerous area to be walking around or riding your bike. There's so much traffic and it's a tight Canyon and there's cars everywhere, you know, that guy must have some stories. Oh, it's a good book. I, I think I still have it. If I have it, I'm, I'm going to let you read it. Cause I think you should get eyes on that one. That's a good one. Cool. I, I enjoyed that book. I had, that's the other thing I've had time for in the last week or so as I've been reading again. Love it. Reading's fun. Yeah. I've been enjoying that one. Yeah. And I gave you a new book last night. Yes. Yeah, the, the that's, where, uh, that's where Carney Kurt came from. Carney Kurt, yeah. So I, where'd you where'd you grow up? I grew Go, up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And what was that amusement park then? You Kennywood, were? Kennywood, man. I used to ride the roller coasters at Kennywood as a kid, and was addicted to it. It was so fun. And uh, then I met Janet last night. Her family name is Harton. Yep. And she, just so random. I, I, first time I met her, right? And we start talking. And then she goes, oh, you grew up in Pittsburgh. I grew up in Pittsburgh. I'm like, oh, that's cool. And then she's like, yeah, my family owned a, an amusement park called Westview Park. And I'm like, oh. And I wasn't familiar. So because, did Westview change its name to the... No, it, it closed in... Westview Park closed in 1977, the year I was born. So I, I never knew about Westview Park. 
but Kennywood was still a thing. And I think it still is a thing, but her family, they built, built they the built roller the coasters they built at Kennywood. Stuff. Oh, and they built the ones at Kennywood. Yes. Oh. So I was like, oh my God, those are like my favorite, like the, the Jack Rabbit and the Racer, which was a side-by-side coaster. And then the Thunderbolt, which was like allegedly the fastest wooden coaster in the country. And these were like, you know, architectural works of art, like huge wooden structures, massive, that are just so ornate. And like, you know, obviously they have to be, you know, these are big roller coasters. Like they were pre-metal construction roller coasters, right? And so that was so fascinating to to hear her stories. And then you pull out the book and you're like, there's a book about it. And I'm like, oh man, I gotta read this. And then you're like, Carney Kurt. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of was, man. I loved the the carnival amusement park life, man, as a kid. Was, it's so American. It's like one yeah. of the true <clears throat> things that's truly ours. I think we've that talked about some pie, of that stuff. That, Apple yeah, pie, yeah. blues music. Taylor Swift. No. <laughs> we have Taylor now. <laughs> I was going to say Jay, Jerry Garcia, but you pulled out Taylor. <laughs> There's been so much Taylor Swift mania. I, I couldn't name you one song that she's performed, but... That's just how Nicole and yeah. I were downtown the other night passing yeah. out candy for the Trekkie, Trek, Trekkie candy thing mm-hmm. where all the kids come out, and there were all these kids in these one T-shirts, and we... We're like, what is that? And they're like, oh, it's a Taylor Swift thing. And I'm like, oh, shit. Oh, that's like, why I don't get it. Yeah, I was like, oh, I didn't, didn't know that one. <laughs> it's kind of like when we dress up as Magnum P.I., all the kids are like, what the hell are you dressed as? And they're dressed as Matt Taylor Swift. I'm like, what are you dressed as? There's a generational miss there, you know? We're not, I think the, the Magnum P.I. people and the Taylor Swift people need to talk more often. <laughs> the world would be in a better place. <laughs> so you had... Uh, Early season. It's November. We're going to start getting some snowfall. May, yeah, not here. It's snowing everywhere but Tahoe. Oh, it's coming. <clears throat> it's coming. Is it? Oh, yeah, it's coming, dude. Come on. We know. I, I, get, I have that feeling down deep down inside that we're, it's coming. Uh, and you had mentioned to me, you had asked me, uh, what do you, what, what oh, do you we're, we're, love what? most or about early season skiing or something? What was the question? No, I think I asked you what your stance was on the white strip of death. The white, yeah, right. The white strip of death. And I was like, I don't know. What's the white strip of death? The white strip of death is what we used to chase in Colorado back in the day when they started making snow early and they would open at Breckenridge and it was either Breck or Loveland ski resort would be in a running to be the first ones to open and then have that newspaper heading and people, you know, yeah. They're like the ribbon cutting and the first chairlift and then people skiing this one little run with rocks and dirt on either side of the, <laughs> of the white ribbon of death. That's what we would call it. And I did, I did it for a bunch of years and it's fun. I mean, you, it's kind of like a, it's a challenge because you have to go faster than everybody. So is it like snow? It's like the snowmaking strip that they blew snow on? Yeah. It's the one snowmaking okay. run. I think this year for those guys, I think they're all, some of the resorts in Colorado are actually opening next week. And I think that they've gotten enough natural snow that it's going to be, it's, it'll look like winter and then they'll be able to sort of supplement with man-made snow. But I always think it's a funny thing when you're skiing somewhere that there's no, snow anywhere except, except for where you're except skiing. for the white ribbon of death yeah that's like east coast yeah. yeah and then you just have to the thing is with the white ribbon of death is you just have to go faster than everybody else <laughs> why is that so then you don't get hit from behind <laughs> 
is it's so dangerous. It's just like this bowling ball frog. It's like a combination of Frogger with NASCAR and, and downhill ski racing. Sounds fun. You've got all these. Sounds like you need a few beers involved yeah, well, first. And then, and then you've got the people who have already done like four Jaeger shots thrown in the mix. So, yeah, I don't know. The White Ribbon of Death is always sort of a good time. So I've speaking more of away from from going and doing it, what's that? Just the white. This yeah. You don't the, do it anymore. I don't know. It's, so are you the early? I, I, here's a question. I think I know the answer. I'm going to ask anyway. Are you an early season frother? Do you go out there and like get after it after the first snowfall when there's like six six inches of snow on the ground and you're just dragging your ski bottoms over no, rocks? I, not because you just want to go skiing so n- bad. Not when there's six inches, but we. Top what's your, so what's your minimum? I don't know, a couple feet. Okay, so like, you wait. And we've we've had a couple, but we've had a bunch of years where we've had that like banging storm, right? Like right now, right around Halloween in the first week of November. That's what happened last year. Like I was three days from now, I was in my car chasing it to Mammoth last year, and they just that start was absolutely incredible. It was but, a really good. Start but you were to inbounds. Year. You weren't backcountry. Uh, we I skied inbounds for two days, and then and then I went and then I went rock skiing. You then you went rock skiing, right? Because I'm like. Inbounds, I get yeah. it because they're going to groom it. There's going to be a compressed base. But like, if you get two feet of fresh on top of dirt, guess what? As soon as you hit that snow, you're hitting the rock. Yeah, dude, not There's no, no man. I've had really good days. There was a day a, a couple years ago. This was a funny one. A couple years ago, Storm and I went out after like four feet of of a the early season storm. It, it absolutely storm. Dumped. You went out with storm during a storm. I went out with storm just after the storm. So the storm cleared. storm is our friend by the, just, <laughs> just to clarify storm Glover out there. What's up? Ja-ja. What's up? What's up? Ja-ja. Anyway, praise John. Uh, storm. I called him. I was like, dude, it's going to clear. Like it's clearing in the afternoon. And so there, there was this window between like one and sundown that we went up and we we tried to go ski the gleanables up on rows after like four feet, but it turned into some of the most heinous trail breaking I've ever experienced. Oh yeah. And it was us and this couple from Yugoslavia from Reno. And then like a couple, and then there was like two or three pro skiers from, from I don't know, what's the one, one of the ski companies down in Reno? Moment? Yeah, I think they were from Moment. And so it did like, we were, it was just a deadly crawl of a pace, putting it in the skin track up to the gleanables. And the Yugoslavian couple and the moment people went left to like the hour to the first bowl on the left. And then I was like, I wanted fresh tracks. So Storm and I like pushed to the other bowl. And it took us so long to get up there that we, I wasn't cool with committing and dropping into that thing. Because we still had to then you put get in, back out. Dude, we had to still get back out. And oh. it was like, dude, the trail breaking was so hard. Because it was deep with no consolidated yeah, bottom? Yeah, it was just this heavy, like, weird bottom. I've never experienced anything like it. Wait, what when was that? It was uh, the, I think it was the year before last year. Okay, so it wasn't last winter. No, it wasn't last winter. Okay, it was okay. my first my first day on the snow last winter was epic at Mammoth. Okay. But uh this <laughs> is the first day on snow, I think, two two seasons ago. So dude, just listen to what we had to do. So we got to the top of that and we're looking down this absolutely pristine bowl, but it like it, it was getting late. And so I'm looking at this situation, I was like, I can't we can't commit to this because if something goes wrong right now, we're like like anyone that would have needed to come out and help us. Where were you dropping into? Just the Galena bowls, like the, at uh, like girl, you know. But you could have gotten, I mean, how far would you have been from the highway? Not that far, but it took us 
two and a half hours. It took us yeah. more than double the amount of time to get up there than it normally does. Yeah. And so we traversed over to where the other bowl was because there was tracks mm -hmm. because those other people had skied there. So we, we, we barely made turns and then just had to like take their tracks back out. And then I made storm rally at like six in the morning, the next morning to run back up our skin track to go get tracks in that other bowl the next morning. And we got it. Yeah, it was, that's how dedicated I was to go. Yeah. I'm, I'm a, I, uh, I hold back, but early. it was good. Those were good turns. Yeah. No, it I, needed a, it needed a day to set up. <clears throat> right. It needed a day to set up. I'm not in a hurry to start skiing. I like, I usually just wait like the first couple storms. I just sit it out. I'll just wait. I'm patient. That's probably the smart move. It, it, it's just, I don't want to ruin my skis and I don't want to potentially ruin myself. Like I do not want to explode my ankle on a hidden stump at, 25 yeah. miles an hour. It's not I worth a, it. I have a dedicated split board that's just for early, early season. Yeah. Or the, like the, it's all blown out. Yeah. yeah all rock out. skis used to be good skis until you took them out too early in the season. And then there became rock skis. <laughs> People went the other day up there to, to Rose. Oh God. Did ski on what? Yeah. That six inches that fell. Like I don't do that. Like if there's a couple feet, I'll yeah. go. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. I'm not that, I'm not that frothy. Like I can, I can hang back and wait. I'm good. I had a fun day too with, with Brantley, who you met last night at the party, uh, where we did ski the white ribbon of death, <laughs> but we had done, uh, uh, we went kayaking in the morning. This was a November day, just like this, like it is right now, but it was a uh, kayak in the morning. And then we rode uh Tamarack trail into sky tavern. We actually rode sky tavern. And then, and then we, put the car down there to where we came back and then we had our gear at Rose and then we did a couple laps. That's cool. And then we did dual our, sport. It was I a triple dual sport. sport. It was a triple, triple sport. What was the third one? We kayaked. Oh, we kayaked. Biked, we kayaked, we biked, and then we did like three runs at Rose on their white ribbon of death and then went and had a beer. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of ski resorts in this time of year, you mentioned something interesting earlier about the time change that is about to occur this next weekend. So we're doing daylight savings. Yeah. I, I think I asked you like what your stance was on, are you, are you in support of us getting rid of the time? Swap? Yes. I, daylight savings should go away. Really? Yeah. Yes. hundred percent. But so like, I, I, then I asked you like, what's the, what's the ramifications of that on skiing? <laughs> that's, that's the only thing I care about. Well, this is an interesting topic because it was, it's, it's a kind of a, conundrum or like a paradox kind of a would it be paradoxical i don't know like because you were sort of saying that it wouldn't change the game and i it wouldn't I, I, th I think it does sort of change the game well let's dive into this so why do you think it would change the game if we got rid of daylight savings on well, ski resorts for well for one for ski resorts they need they need daylight to be able to get the mountain open okay so if you don't roll the clock back that's one less hour of daylight in the morning for ski resorts to do the work that's needed to be done so but, it, the, but the sun still rises at the same time <laughs> <laughs> yes but it, for the rest of the universe that isn't a human for the squirrels it doesn't matter <laughs> <laughs> for the squirrel sitting on the branch watching over the ski resort it doesn't matter but for the people who need to you know the ski patrollers need to get there okay and they need to do their work and if we don't roll back then Technically, the sun rises an hour later. Okay, so then open the mountain an hour later. How's it? Yeah, the but <laughs> it's like people don't like If the like mountain change. opens at nine because the sun rises at six, 
But if you get rid of daylight savings, the sun doesn't rise until seven. Open the mountain at ten. There, yeah. You still have that three hours to get red, the mountain ready. It's just it's just kick back an hour. They would have to open it up later. Yeah, they, right. I, I think ski resorts would run from ten to five. Well, they would have to. That would be the same operating hours. They would just kick the. I lived in Indiana for a few years when I went to school, and Indiana does not observe daylight savings. It's uh, Indiana and Arizona, I think, are the two states. There might be a third one, but I think those are the two states that don't observe daylight savings. So it was really weird because everywhere around Indiana was East Coast time daylight savings, but Indiana in the winter was an hour ahead of everywhere else around it. And it was, I liked it. Because the sun went down at six o'clock in the winter. Yeah, it was nice. At, so, but like for my whole life, then the last 20 years of working a restaurant job so that I could ski in the morning, I would, I would have technically had one less hour of shredding pow. Right. So, yes. So. Because I have to bounce, I had to bounce at a certain time to get to work. <clears throat> we'll just open the restaurant at six. <laughs> <laughs> Just push everything back an hour. Yeah, that's easier said than done. <laughs> I just, I find daylight saving so hilarious because people are like, we're going to get an extra hour of daylight. You're like, that's not how it works, dude. The sun it rises and sets hour. the same time. It's just, we have this ridiculous, you know, obsession with trying to control nature. Like, we're going to get ourselves an extra hour and change the clock. It's like... The universe doesn't give a shit what time you think it is. Do you it's really, the same time. Do you really believe that they that like it was done for farmers so they could get more work done? Like I've heard that's that's been. what the yeah that's what I've heard the reasoning is. And so yeah, the far I think the only reason why it hasn't happened is because the farming lobby is strong, right? It's like the reason why our entire country is fueled by ethanol gasoline now See, is I think because the, ski the lobby corn lobby. Be, I think the ski lobby would be against it. Because they need that, they need that hour in the Maybe morning. Maybe that's why we haven't changed. Vail Resorts is yeah. The Death Star is making it so that we're not going. Is knocking on Biden's door like, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. I mean, I we would get you. You could sleep in longer. So I don't know if I like it. I don't know if I. I kind of like the time change because it makes it so that it's I. I because I like getting up for early morning pow. I and just hate having to change my damn clocks, man. It, it's your, it's your phone does it. Your phone does it no, for you. I, well, my phone does, but my my analog <laughs> caveman clock in the kitchen doesn't. I got a VCR flash. I got to climb up on the kitchen counter and like risk life and limb and climb up there and grab the clock and turn it back. It's, yeah, man. And then I got to you know push the buttons on the microwave and then push the buttons on the. Uh, it's it's a hassle. I mean, there's. A, I think that there's a big movement to get rid of it, isn't there? There has been for a while. Well, that's yeah. It's like every political politician's campaign. One of their you know check marks on the campaign slogan is, "And I'm going to get rid of daylight savings." He's like, "Cut taxes, you know, more more defense spending, and I'm getting rid of daylight savings." It never happens. It's kind of like you know uh, campaign finance reform. Everybody loves to talk about it, but nobody does anything about it. Same thing with daylight savings. Everybody wants to get rid of it, but nothing ever happens. So I'm not really, I don't get it. It doesn't affect the squirrels. The squirrels don't care. They're like, I'm still getting up at the same time. The bear doesn't care. The bear's okay. going to raid your house whether it's 6 o'clock or 7 o'clock. He doesn't care. 
He's coming in, man. Lock your doors. <laughs> I think it will affect <laughs> ski resorts, though. So it'll, yeah. Well, I don't think we'll ever find out because I don't think it's ever going to. Ch- I don't think we're going to get rid of it. I don't. I don't see. So speaking of it, what, when is it? It's uh, well, it's going to be this weekend. It's November fourth. Oh, yeah, it's the fifth. Saturday night. Yeah, it's it's Sunday the morning, the fifth. Yeah, it's the fifth. Yeah, so you get an extra. Tom, you'll get an extra hour of sleep. Oh no, wait, no, you get. No, you get less sleep. You get one less hour of sleep, right? Yeah. Yeah, you get one less hour of sleep in the morning. Yeah. Is that going to yeah. have a negative? Is Snoozebot going to suffer? No, because I because I went back to Michigan for that trip. Yeah. Uh, because I was in, I was on Michigan time for four days, so I, I've actually been getting up early. I've been waking oh, up good. early. Oh, you're still on East Coast time. Kind of. Hmm. Yeah. I always that's always a good thing to do a trip. Like I always used to do a surf trip right before the ski season, and I would go some go to El Salvador, go so, go to Mexico, and then come back, and then have that right around date. They're usually this week or somewhere in this these couple weeks, so then yeah. right around daylight savings. So then I would kind of have my internal clock reset, so I'm good with getting up early. Yeah, because I like getting up early to ski pow. I do too. I oh, like not as early as you. You, you send me a text and I'm like <laughs> four a.m. Like four a.m. You, you know, you know, you know why though. Why no, do I know I, why. why. I know because you want firsties, man. You want, want the first. But And there's another reason why. Uh, why? Because then all the Larrys are not on top of me. It's like, I, I like getting out the door well, yeah, early. Yeah, you're first. Yeah, you're you first. Get, well, and it's, I think it's safer, too. If you're in front of it, you're then you're not. It's like skiing the white ribbon of death. You want to be the first one down. You want to be the first one down. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like having people on above me uh, that might be making bad decisions. Right. Yo, no. I like to be making my own yeah. decisions you about can... snowpack and route selection and evaluation. And I feel that like if you're not on the early train, you're then sort of at the you're behind other people that could be sending things down on you. That's why I like to get up early. I was going to ask you a question related to the snow, the white strip of death and related to death and snowpack and all mm-hmm. that stuff. And all the snow we're seeing in Colorado and Montana, Idaho right now, this early season in Utah. And isn't this going to be a problem for the rest of the season if we get a dry spell for a few weeks? If we get a dry spell, yes. Yeah, it can go rotten for sure. Yeah. So far, it seems people, it looked like Colorado had some good turns going on yesterday on Halloween. There was some trick and trick or treating going on. Some people made some good turns in Colorado. Uh, I haven't really seen too much else going on, but yeah, it, I think that there's been it's a, the frequency of storms is the key thing in that it keeps coming, and that yeah. if you don't get you don't get a dome of high pressure to set up, and then what little snow is there, it's a shallow snowpack. You have cold nights because you, it's November. There's hardly any sun angle. It's a short day, so then that that snow can can change and, and, and become faceted. Yeah. So, uh, it's, that's, that really happens when you have like a, a lengthy high pressure system. Right. And which, which could totally happen. It could happen, but it currently isn't though. Those places that you just mentioned are, are in a little bit of a storm train. Like they've got, they've had been, they've been having weather and then they're, they're getting like a one, two, three punch right now. There's like a one, two, three punch coming through right now. Let's hope they don't get a dry spell. Yeah. It'd be a bummer to... Well, that's yeah, that that's always a, a risk of early season snow. Right. No, yeah, this has happened before for sure. Uh, yeah. And it happens here in the Sierras. That's sometimes where we can get a, a 
you know, not to that extent though, right? Yeah, Our snowpack's ha- not nearly as unstable as theirs when it, it can sets happen. up that way. Early season here, it can happen. Yeah, it happened last year actually. Yeah, but it doesn't last the whole season. No, no it can like, last the whole season in like the Rockies. Yeah, right. Like that bad layer at the bottom. Like if you trigger it, it's like till March carnage. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> till March. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, we should probably bring this one to a close. But before we do, um, I did want to touch on the send of the week. Ah, uh-huh. sendy yeah, lots, send of the week. A lot's been going down these weeks. There's we been a lot been, of sending going on we, lately. We haven't recorded all that often, but uh, no, there've been a few things. But yeah, I, think, I think I was in Michigan when the Red Bull Rampage went down. Yeah. Where you were, I think you were riding Pinecrest then that weekend. Was yes, that because weekend? yes, because that weekend <laughs> when we were riding the rock slabs, I forgot to mention this. This was classic, dude. We were riding those rock slabs and super gnarly. And somebody, as we were riding down this crazy rock slab, somebody yelled out, it's the Fred Bull Stampage. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. I was like, yeah, Fred Bull Stampage. But yeah, yeah so there yeah. was some serious sending going on at that thing. It's like next level. It's so Ooh. nutty. It's crazy. I mean, it's just, it's fat. It's like awesome. Awesome. Like to see what people can pull off. Like that, that one Canyon gap that Brendan Fairclaw cleaned. Like, how do you know you can clean? I like, I just don't under, like, how do you know to go fast enough to clean clear what was that 60 feet 70 feet i mean it was insane and if you came up short it was like 80 to 100 foot fall into a canyon it was dude it's crazy you should have had a parachute on. yeah i like i just yeah i mean they're they're so next level what they're doing with that event it's out of control man it's just like well it's no i mean it's not that out of control because they're I mean, they're it doing seems it. Like they're cleaning it. Like there was a pretty bad injury. Yeah, G. Atherton uh, in the warm gnarly, gnarly, super gnarly crash. crash. Like the day before, or two days before, yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. They're figuring. Everyone's figuring out their runs. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, let's Scary. give it. Let's give a shout out to our show sponsor. He took the took the trophy home, dude. Cam Zink. Won. Cam Zink, thirty seven years old, I think. Like still, he, I think that was the big thing. He's like, I still got it. Oh yeah, he does. You know? 50, 60 foot backflip. The step down backflip that he did 10 years ago. Uh, on, I think it was the same drop. Um, and I don't think anybody had done it since. And, and, uh, uh, Hank Wilkins and Damon Iwanaga, who we had on the, the cam zinc episode. I can't remember. Was that episode 10? I can't remember, but they were the builders on that. Yep. And they got a big shout out from him. Yeah. They were like the key to that victory and key to the to the line that he had. Yeah, they were the winning builders, and and Cam took home the trophy. And man, that was crazy. I think it was either Hank or Damon had a video of, like of of like standing right next to where Cam hit the jump. And and when you see him take off, man, it's this like it's a step down. So he he rips the bike up in the air on an angle. He kind of he corked it. He was kind of kinked a little bit. You know, it was a little bit of a cork. Yeah, cork. That's what it's called. Yeah, it was amazing. But you know the so there were there were there were so many. I don't know how you I don't know how you judge that, man. Yeah, there was some controversy over the win. There was some controversy over like. Should have should Cam have won, but it's just like I I would hate to be a judge in that competition. 
there's so much sending going on. Like, how do you determine one, which one's better than the other? Like that, that fair claw run was ridiculous. It was so out of, like, it was insane. Like when the, the POV footage, you know, the, of him at the top on that like knife edge Ridge. Oh my God. And then, and then setting up for that Canyon gap. <laughs> it's that, that's the kind of POV footage that makes your hands sweaty. Even just watching it it's at like, home. It's like watching Josh Dyack POV footage of him sending straight line off a, down a couloir off like three step down drops at like yeah. mock chicken. Like, you're just crapping your pants watching an Instagram video. You're like, holy crap. Like, we should go next year to the Rampage. That'd be a fun road trip. We'd yeah. Go out there. You know, I would go there just to go riding. Yeah, no. The riding go. there is... I love the riding I don't there. even... Forget Moab, man. Gooseberry. I love Gooseberry. Guacamole. Gem Trail. Crafton. Oh, there's so much good riding there. Yeah, all the stuff in St. George, like Zen Trail and all that. Yeah. Oh, man. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, well, shout Take out to... Take mine the track on the road. <laughs> Shout out to Cam then for yeah. taking the win home. Send of the year, I would say that was for for him. Yeah, I mean thirty seven. That's yeah, epic to be pulling that off. Pretty impressive, man. And uh, yeah, I think as the sport continues, we're going to see more and more of that, right? Like these, like, like Kelly Slater at fifty yeah, years old 50. winning the. Yeah, I mean, there you go. When you perform at the and and one of these days, we're going to get Stephen Kotler. The, uh, ah, yeah. the author of, uh, was it the one you're reading? So I jump back. And so after I finished my, that other book, I jump back into it, but it's called the, uh, something, the rise of Superman, I think. Yeah. The rise of Superman. Right. So it's all about flow state and yep. how, perf- you know, extreme Peak performance, ath- extreme athletes have sort of mastered the flow state yep. and how they've sort of pushed the, the levels of what humans can do in a really short period of time. Yep. I'll tell you more about it when I finish the book. I'm only like 60 pages in. I picked it back up the other day. Yeah, Nar Country. I should let you read that one too. That was the one I read. It was really cool. I enjoyed that. Uh, yeah, became a park skier at 53 years old. It's pretty cool. I don't that's think gonna I could be do me. that. I think that's going to be me Is next gonna be year you? Are you going to be parking it? I, I think so. How about only rides park from here on out? <laughs> well, I think we should... Give this one a wrap. Good, good catching up, man. Good catch up. Yep. Uh, Maybe on the next one, we'll, we'll have made some turns on six inches of snow on dirt. Maybe I'll be, I'll be tanning. I'm going to be next time we record, you're going to see me with a Florida man tan. I'll be, I'll have a Florida man. tan. You're going to be wearing a shuffleboard grand champion t-shirt. Totally. Yep. Uh, Yep. I'm going to really look like Magnum PI. I'm going to be fully tanned up and. Are you going to keep the stash for Florida? Probably. Yeah. What the hell? It's Florida. Might as well, right? You'll fit right in. (laughs) Well, thanks, everyone, for listening to episode number 24 of Mind the Track with your guests, Snoozebot and Trail Whisperer. Until next time, get out there, get deep, and put your mind in the track.